Andrew Womack Ministries presents this session from the 2013 San Antonio, Texas Gospel Truth Rally. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. Let's turn over uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and tonight I want to share something with you that's just really simple. This is one of the most foundational things that I teach, but this is what totally transformed my life. And uh, when I got a revelation of these truths that I'm going to be sharing with you tonight, it's just like somebody stuck a key in my brain and unlocked it. It's like I saw things that I had never seen. I began to understand. And just a real quick testimony to lead up to this, but I got born again when I was eight years old, and it was a genuine conversion. I was truly saved. I know I was. But... I had an experience with the Lord when I was 18 that was just supernatural. It was miraculous. And for four and a half months, I was overwhelmed with God's love for me. I couldn't contain it. You can ask my brother and sister. I was, I'm sure I was really obnoxious, <laughs> man. But man, I just, God changed my life and I, I just couldn't get over it. It transformed me and it was wonderful, but... The emotion of that wore off, and it always will. God doesn't want you to live on this emotional high to where you are just going by feeling. And when the emotion of this wore off, then desperation set in on me, and I didn't know what I did to make it happen. I didn't know what I did to make it leave. I didn't know how to get it back. And one of the best things that ever happened to me, I got drafted and sent to Vietnam. And in Vietnam, out of just nothing but desperation, I didn't know what to do. I just started reading the Bible 15 hours a day. Every single day, that's all I did was sit and read the Bible. And God began to teach me things through His Word that just totally, totally changed my life. And one of the things that happened when, the Lord, when I had this experience with the Lord, I experienced a supernatural love. I've read about Charles Finney. He said it was like waves of liquid love flowing over him. There was a tangible time when he experienced the love of God in that way. And I've read about Dwight L. Moody and other people, and every one of them had some kind of an experience where the love of God just became a revelation to them. That's what happened to me in 1968. But the problem was I couldn't understand how a holy God could love me. And you know, I wasn't a terrible person compared to other people, but I don't know how to express this, but when you really experience God in a supernatural fashion, when you are in His presence, you get a supernatural revelation of how ungodly you are in comparison. That's absolutely true. And you can see it in Scripture. You can see people that, like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, that when he saw the Lord high and lifted up immediately, he fell on his face and he says, Lord, depart from me. I'm a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And even though I knew God loved me, I couldn't wrap my brain about how a holy God could love me. How could God be pleased with me because I wasn't pleased with myself? I didn't like a lot of things about myself. And if I hadn't have gotten a revelation of these things that I'm going to be sharing with you, I'm convinced that I would have lost this. I've talked to thousands of people who've come up and told me that they had something similar happen, but they just lost it. They couldn't maintain it. 
I would have lost it if I hadn't have gotten hold of these truths. And so this is going to be a real quick um, explanation of, of 45 years worth of walking with the Lord. But this, if it'll help you half as much as it helps me, it'll change your life. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 16, it says, Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. You know, this is wordy in the King James, but it's basically saying that at one time, Paul knew Jesus after the flesh. Now, he wasn't one of the disciples, but Paul was raised and... Uh, in the school of Gamaliel that was in Jerusalem. And Jesus certainly made a huge impact on Jerusalem. I'm sure that Paul was in one of those crowds where the scribes and Pharisees were there heckling Jesus and mocking him and making fun of him. Paul could have told you what Jesus looked like. He knew him physically. He could tell you what he was like. That's what he's referring to when he says, we know him after the flesh, but now we don't know him that way anymore. It doesn't work to just know information and physical, natural things about the Lord. You have to have a revelation that comes only by the Holy Spirit that reveals Jesus to you personally. And it's amazing how so many people have information and they know natural, physical things about the Lord, but they don't have this supernatural revelation. And this is what Paul is referring to. And then he said this in verse 17. And these are the verses that the Lord used to really change my life. He says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. You know, I was reading that in Vietnam, and I remember thinking that God... This says that if you're in Christ, which is talking about if you're born again, and I knew that I was born again, then old things have passed away, all things have become new. And the way that this is worded, it doesn't say that all things are in the process of becoming new. It didn't say that old things are passing away. It puts it in the past tense. And I was thinking about this and I was saying, Lord, this isn't true. I can't see it in my life. I've got all of these things that need to be changed and stuff. And I just could not understand this. And I was trying to take the Bible literally and I was thinking that if I went by this literally, then it would make me wonder whether I was truly saved or not because I'm not completely brand new. There's all kinds of things in me that need to change. And I was praying about this, and anyway, long story, but here's the, here's the end result of it. The Lord showed me who I was in Christ. He showed me that there is a spiritual part of me that you can't see or feel. Look over at this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. This is one of the verses that he showed me. And it says in verse 23, he's praying a prayer, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot of scriptures that make this same point, but this one puts them all in one verse and it makes it clear that you have a spirit, soul, and body. Functionally, most people, even Christians, only acknowledge two parts to them. It's obvious that you're looking at my physical body. 
and this is my body, but there's an inner part to me. All of us are aware of this. You know, a person could come up and tap you on the shoulder and you can feel that. That's your physical body. But a person could talk to you over the phone and they could make you feel things. They could make you feel anger, hurt, pain, or something else. Every one of us are aware that there's an inner person, your feelings and your emotions. And we're in touch with that. And so every person recognizes the physical and the emotional mental realm, which is what the Bible calls the soul. But functionally, most people do not believe or know that they are a spirit. And yet the scripture makes it very clear that we have a spirit, soul, and body. It's more accurate, I believe, to say that you are a spirit. That is the main part of you, and you live in a body, and you have a soul. But your, your spirit is the real part of you, and I wasn't aware of that. I thought that when I looked in the mirror and saw things that I didn't like, I thought that that's the way that God was looking at me. But in 1 Corinthians, or excuse me, it's 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, it says that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And see, I was looking on the outward appearance, and I was looking at all of these things that needed to be changed, and it didn't seem to square with 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, where old things have passed away and all things have become new. And so I was confused and wondering, God, how could this happen? And as the Lord began to show me I was a spirit, then he began to show me that in the spirit, when you get born again, you become a completely brand new person. And you know, the problem here is that you can see your physical body. You know, if you want to see if your hair is combed, you can't go by how you feel. You got to go look in a mirror. Right now, I hope my hair is combed, but I honestly couldn't tell you by just feeling of my hair whether my hair is combed. You go look in a mirror and you trust what you see in that mirror. Did you know that the Bible says in James chapter 1 that whoever looks into the perfect law of liberties like a man beholding his face in a mirror. The Word of God is a spiritual mirror. If you want to see if your physical hair is combed, you can't just go by how you feel. You go look and you take appropriate action. If you want to see who you're like in the Spirit, you can't feel. You can't see it. You can't see it in a mirror and you can't feel there's a lot of people that think that if I had the power of God on the inside of me that the Word of God says I do, I'd know it. I'd feel it. That's because, again, most of us functionally only function in the soul and in the body realm. We don't really acknowledge the Spirit. But there's all kinds of things that are true in the Spirit that you can't perceive with your little peanut brain. Amen? Right now, there are television signals in this room, and if a person says, I don't believe that, why? Because you can't see them. You can't hear them. That doesn't mean they aren't here. It just means you aren't real smart. They are here. And all you have to do is take a television set, plug it in, turn it on, tune it in, and did you know that when that set starts broadcasting the television signal, that's not when the signals come. The signals are already here, but they're in an unseen realm, a realm that we can't perceive. There's all kinds of things that are true beyond your ability to see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. But most of us think that if we can't experience it with one of our five senses, it's not true. So God says that you have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. The average Christian will go to feeling. They'll go look in the mirror. 
They don't feel a goosebump up and down their spine. And because they can't see it or feel it, they think that it's not true. And see, this is where I was. I was reading things in the Bible that I could lay hands on the sick and they would recover, that I could do miracles, that I could do the same things that Jesus did, the same works that he did, well, I do also. And yet I couldn't see it or feel it. And since I couldn't perceive it in my five senses, I thought it hadn't happened yet. And it literally began to transform my life when I understood that there is a spirit me right here in your belly. In John chapter 7, it says, Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And Jesus said, This spake he of the spirit, which they that believed upon him would receive. So the Bible says that your spirit is here in your belly. Some of us look like we got more of the spirit than others, but it's not true. But on the inside of you, there is a spirit being and you cannot contact the spirit through any of your sense knowledge. You can't see it in the mirror. You can't feel it. You can't hear it. We'll say things like the Lord spoke to me, but if he can speak in an audible voice, he has. I've never heard an audible voice of God, but I believe that God can do that. He did it in the Bible, but Typically, the Lord speaks in your heart. It's with your spirit that you hear. It's not your physical ears. You don't see with your physical eyes. It has to be perceived by faith. And because it takes faith, most of us just don't think that if we can't see, taste, hear, smell, or feel it, that it hasn't happened yet. And this began to transform my life when I realized I was no longer just a physical human being that when I got born again, I became a brand new creature. That's what it says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I became a brand new creature. Old things passed away. All things became new. Not some things, all things. And I'm going to make some statements here and then I'll turn to Scripture and I'll verify these things. But I really believe that our born again spirit is as, is as pure and holy and powerful right this moment as Jesus is. There's a lot of scriptures that say that. I'm going to quote some of them to you here tonight. But man, this transformed my life because I didn't, I didn't see that. I didn't feel it. And because of it, I was going around singing these songs about I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. But you know, I was an old sinner. But I got saved by grace and now I have the power and the righteousness of God living on the inside of me. To some people, that sounds like heresy because they only think about the physical realm. In the physical realm, I am not proclaiming that I'm anybody special. In the physical realm, I'm the same as anybody else, but in the spirit, I am a brand new person. I become a new creature. And because of it, John chapter 4, verse 24 says, God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. If you are going to truly connect with God, you've got to approach God in your spirit and in truth, not in your flesh. When you come before God and you say, oh God, I'm so, uh, I come before you and I'm so unworthy, and uh, God, I don't deserve anything. You know what you're doing? You're in the flesh. Thank you for that one, yep. I know some of you are thinking about that one. Because see, this is the way I was raised. I was raised, 
to just recognize that in myself I'm nothing. And you know what? That's absolutely true. It says in John chapter 15, verse 4, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. That is absolutely true. But what's wrong with that thinking is I'm never without him. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. And in the flesh, in my natural self, I can do nothing, but through Christ, I can do all things. And I begin to start changing my focus from who I was in the natural to who I am in Christ. And it literally made the Word of God come alive on the inside of me. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and let me just show some things to prove to you that this is talking about it. It's in your spirit that you've been changed because it says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Let me ask you, did old things pass away in your physical body? If you were a man before you got saved, you'll still be a male after you get saved. If you were a woman, you're still a woman. If you were ugly, you're still going to be ugly, amen, unless you begin to do something to change it. If you were fat before you got saved, you're still going to be fat after you get saved. Everybody understand what I'm saying? This isn't talking about your physical body. Your physical body did not change. Matter of fact, we've got scriptures that say that this mortal must put on immortality and this corruptible must put on incorruption. Your body's not saved. It's been purchased. It's redeemed. It's, well, it's more accurate to say it's been purchased, but it's not yet redeemed. You haven't got the glorified body that's coming. Your physical body is still natural. It is not supernatural. Your body is not the part of you that changed. And it's not talking about your soul either because if you were stupid before you got saved, you're still going to be stupid after you get saved. You still have your same thoughts. You still have your same memories. Your soul didn't get changed. Now, it's impacted, it's influenced, but it is not so that old things have passed away, all things have become new. So just by process of elimination, you can tell that you got three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Your body and your soul are not changed. They are in the process of being changed. They can improve somewhat but you are never, ever going to know all things, even as also you are known, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, until you get that glorified body. As long as we're in this body, we see through a glass darkly and we do not fully comprehend things. Your mind, your soul, your emotions, old things have not passed away and everything being brand new. That's not happened yet. So there's only one part left and that's your spirit. In your spirit, your spirit is completely changed. Your dead spirit, your old man is gone. Praise God. You know, I, I just said something that's going to pose problems to some of you. I hadn't got time to explain it, but you don't have an old man and a new man. Your old man is gone. And what's left behind is like what I call the residual old man. It's an unrenewed mind that causes you to still act like that. But scripturally speaking, Romans chapter 6, you are dead in, with Christ and that old man is gone and you have to reckon yourself to be dead unto all of those kind of things. And so you don't have two spirits on the inside of you, your old nature and your new nature fighting against each other. 
Your spirit has been totally transformed. The only thing that keeps us from reflecting that in our life is an unrenewed mind. It says, as you think in your heart, so are you. And if you still see yourself as only human, there's this song about, Lord, I'm only human. I'm just a man one day at a time, sweet Jesus. It's a catchy tune, but that lyrics will kill you. You are not just a man or a woman. One third of me is wall to wall Holy Ghost. One third of me has the power of God living in it and I am not just human. I am human, but I have God himself living on the inside of me and because of that, I can do all things through Christ. Man, that's awesome. That transformed my life. Look over here in Ephesians chapter four. Here's another passage of scripture. In verse 24, it says, and that ye put on the new man. This is that same thing that was spoken of in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. That ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Man, this is a powerful statement right here. You were created righteous and truly holy. I've heard so many people pray and say, oh God, make me righteous. Oh God, just make me holy. You ought to get born again. And they think, but you don't understand how I'm living. Well, you don't understand what happens when you get born again. In your spirit, you become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For he hath made him, talking about God the Father, made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. When you got born again, God made you righteous. And people think, no, that's not true. You don't know what I've done. You're talking about your external person, your physical body and your thoughts. And you can't see and perceive the righteousness and the holiness of God. But the truth is in your spirit, you are as righteous and pure as Jesus is because it's his righteousness that was given unto you. Man, I could get off and teach on that for a few hours. But over in Romans chapter 10, it talks about that there's two types of righteousness. Some people try and go and about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness which is of God by faith. It's a gift. Romans chapter 5 talks about many different places that you've been made the righteousness of God. In um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it talks, I think it's verse 31, it talks about that Jesus has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So the point I'm trying to get across, see, I couldn't understand how a holy God could love me because I was looking on the external and I was recognizing that God, I don't think the way that I should, I don't act the way that I should, and how could a holy God love me? It changed my life when I understood that God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit. And in my spirit, I was created righteous and holy. I'm as righteous and holy and pure in my spirit as Jesus is. Not because of anything I've done, but because of what Jesus gave me. And now I can come boldly before God and I can appreciate and accept the love of God and I feel his pleasure, not because it's based on what I've done that makes me worthy. It's based on this born again spirit. I come before him in the spirit and I'm accepted with God 
in my born-again spirit. It gave me a new way of looking at God, how God could love me because he doesn't look on the outward appearance. He's seeing me in the spirit and in the spirit, I'm righteous and holy. And it gave me a new way of looking at myself. And I began to see myself differently and see that I can do things differently. I'm not limited anymore. I'm not limited to myself. I'm not limited to my own intellect. I can flow beyond myself. I can operate in the supernatural part of me. And this is available for every single person that's been born again. You became a new creature and you were created righteous. Notice it didn't say that you were becoming righteous, that you were growing into being righteous. You were instantly made righteous the moment you got born again. Your spirit is righteous and holy and pure. Look over here in 1 John chapter 4 and in verse 17. It says uh, in verse 17, Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, talking about Jesus, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. That's awesome. Let me just ask, is there anybody in here who's arrogant enough to say that you're exactly like Jesus in your body? in your actions and in your emotions and in your thoughts? In the spirit you are, but I said in your body and in your actions and in your thoughts. There's not a one of us in here that's exactly everything that we should be. There's not a one of us in here that shows the same compassion and does all of these things. You have some rotten thoughts. Some of you are having some rotten thoughts about me right now because of the things I'm teaching. And you know what? You aren't like Jesus in your actions and in your emotions and in your mental part. But this says, as he is, so are we in this world. You are never in your actions and in your emotions going to be perfectly identical to Jesus until you get a glorified body and you get changed and you know all things even as also you're known. The only part of you that is like Jesus right now is your born-again spirit. If the Word of God is true, which it is, then if you've been born again, your spirit is as righteous, as holy, as pure as Jesus is. As He is, so are you right this moment. That's a new wrinkle in a lot of people's brains right there. There's some of you that have never thought this. You see yourself as forgiven. You think that if you were to die, you wouldn't go to hell. You'd go into the presence of the Lord. But to put yourself in a position to where God is just and righteous and holy in loving you and using you, there's a lot of people that wouldn't ever allow themselves to think that, and that's because they are carnal. They are only looking on the natural, physical, outward part of them, and they don't have this revelation of who you are in Christ. But if you've been born again in the Spirit, you are as righteous and holy and pure as Jesus. You have His mind, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. You have the mind of Christ. Colossians 3.10, this new man has been renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. Man, that's a... See, this helped open up the Word of God to me too. 
Because I would read a scripture like that and it says, you know all things. And I'd think that's not true. Man, I forget things all the time. There's, and yet the Bible says I know all things and I have the mind of Christ. And I just looked at my experience and thought this doesn't square. And then you come away with the Bible. It's so hard to understand. It's because it's written to your spirit. It's written about who you are in Christ. With your little brain up here, you may not know everything. You may not be able to pass a test. Some of you look for your glasses for an hour and they're on top of your head. You don't know everything with your physical mind, but in your spirit, you know all things. All things. You've got the mind of Christ. Now see, there's a lot of people that when they read the Bible, they just look at these things. Well, these are sayings, but they aren't real. It's not reality. It's We've got access to it, and if you'll pray, maybe you can draw on it a little bit. No, the Bible says you have the mind of Christ. You're renewed in knowledge. You know all things. As Jesus is, so are you. That's either true or it's not true. It is absolutely true, but it's not true about your body. It's not true about your soul, your mind, your emotions. It's only true about your spirit. The spirit part of us is the only part that's changed. Your body and your soul change to the degree that you renew your mind and begin to understand these things. But the only part of you that just automatically changed and became like Jesus is your spirit. And when you got born again, it became as righteous, as holy, as pure as Jesus is. It has his knowledge. It has the same power and the same anointing that Jesus has. This is why Jesus said, He that believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and even greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father. John chapter 14, verse 12. You can do the same works of Jesus because it's Jesus living on the inside of you. It's as simple as this. You're three parts. Your spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit's perfect. The moment you got born again, your spirit is as pure right this moment as it will ever be in eternity. When you get to heaven, your spirit's not going to have to be cleansed, washed off, purified, sanctified. It's, it's perfect. There's nothing wrong with your spirit. It's identical to Jesus. As Jesus is, so are you in this world. Your spirit is perfect, but you've got three parts. You've got your mind, and then you've got your body. And it's just a simple majority. If, you, if your mind is controlled by what you feel and what you see, and unless you can see it and feel it, you don't believe that it exists. And so you would like to be like Jesus, but you put it all off unto heaven. And when we all get to heaven, that's talking about your body. Your body's going to be changed, and then you will know all things as also you're known. But your spirit is right now identical with Jesus. But if your mind is over here just looking at things in the natural and focusing on what you have and what you don't have and thinking only through your five senses, then that's two against one. And it shuts off the flow of God's power that is on the inside of you and it'll never reach on the outside. But on the other side, if you get your mind renewed, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you renew your mind and begin to start thinking spiritually and seeing who you are in Christ and saying, man, I've got the same power that raised Christ from the dead. I can do all things through him. If you get that, well, then that's two against one. And guess what? Your physical body has no option but to respond. As you think in your heart, that's the way that you will be. If your thinking is spiritual, you will have the supernatural life that Jesus has deposited on the inside of you. But if you think carnal and say, I'm only a man, I can only do this, and I'm, woe is unto me, I'm an old sinner saved by grace. Instead of seeing that you have now become the righteousness of God, that will stop the flow of God's Spirit. Here's another illustration. If you could imagine that there's a pipe up here above my head and over on this side is the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything that God is, healing, deliverance, joy, peace, power, knowledge, anything that you need is over here. It's like a pipe. And over here is the spigot where it comes out. But your mind is like the valve. And if your mind is crossways to what God says about you, if you are thinking only natural and relating and saying, I'm no different than anybody else, the flu comes out and you think, well, I'm only human. And so if people get sick, I, you know, I'm, I'm physical. I'm going to have to get sick. You don't understand that on the inside of you is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And if you could think spiritually minded and begin to see who you are and what you have, you can overcome the flu. You don't have to get sick. You don't have, cancer doesn't have any power on you. These things that Daniel shared about the, multi, uh, what was it, muscular dystrophy being healed, Tourette syndrome, uh, uh, asthma, I mean, what was I thinking of? Asperger's syndrome, uh, autism. You know, we've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open. I've seen my own son raised from the dead after being dead for five hours, and he came back with no brain damage. No more than before. Those things are all possible, not because I'm somebody, but because God himself lives on the inside of me. And if I can get my mind renewed, then Romans 12, 2, you get transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word for transformed there is the Greek word metamorpho. It's the word we get metamorphosis from. In the same way that a worm spins a cocoon and then comes out a butterfly, if you want to change from something that's earthbound and ugly to something that can fly and that's beautiful, you do that by the renewing of your mind. We're praying and saying, oh God, please come and heal me. The truth is you've already got healing, the same power that raised Christ from the dead on the inside of you. It's not out there. And you don't have to wait on God to come touch you. It's on the inside of you and you can release it. Again, it goes back to this pipe. Your mind is crossways with God is the reason that you aren't seeing the power of God flow. So you've got to renew your mind. John chapter 6 verse 63 says, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. God's word paints a picture of who you are, what you have, and what you can do in the spirit realm. And when you get to thinking according to the word and saying, I can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. 
not because of your flesh, not because of your mind, but because of who you are in the spirit. When you get to thinking that way, did you know that your mind and your spirit get in agreement and man, the supernatural power of God will flow through you and miracles will happen the same way they did through Jesus. Man, that's awesome. That is awesome. Let me share one other thing with you here. I know that some of you are thinking and saying, all right, I can accept that when I got born again, I became a new creature and that this happened, but you don't understand. I've messed up since then. I messed up today. I mess up all of the time. I've ruined it again. Let me share some scriptures with you. Over here in Ephesians chapter 1, look at this in verse 13. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, I'm breaking right into the middle of what he said, but he said in verse 13, in whom you also trusted after that you believed, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom after that ye believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. This says that once you believe, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You know, the word seal is used differently. You can, like, for instance, talk about a good housekeeping seal. That means it's their stamp of approval. That means that they back it. But then there's other seals that you can use to show that something's never been tampered with. It hadn't been opened. Like they used to use seals and put them on envelopes and they would put wax on there and put some kind of a seal on it or stamp. And you could see if somebody had tampered with it and opened it. When a woman cans fruit, she puts it in a jar that is uh, that airborne things can't penetrate and then they put paraffin over the top and they form a seal that keeps out impurities. This is the kind of seal that this is talking about that after you believe, God vacuum packed you by the power of the Holy Spirit. This born again part that was created in righteousness and true holiness and is identical to Jesus and I could show you dozens and dozens of other scriptures that just go into more and more detail about this. But this part of you that was created righteous and holy, the moment you got born again, it was vacuum packed. It was sealed by the Holy Spirit. And when a Christian sins, that sin enters into your body, it'll enter into your mind and into your emotions, and it will give Satan an access to you. Romans chapter 6, verse 16 says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves, servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. If you yield to sin, then you are yielding yourself to the author of that sin, Satan, and he will come into your body and cause problems. He will cause all kinds of physical, emotional things. He will come into your mind and cause condemnation. But that sin doesn't penetrate the seal around your spirit. Your spirit does not become contaminated. Your spirit is as holy and pure as Jesus is and the very day that you were born again, it has never been corrupted by your sin. And since God is a spirit, John 4, 24, and God looks at you in the spirit, then God looks at you and even when you're a mess and even when you're doing things wrong, God sees you in the spirit and he's pleased with you. He loves you because you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now, some people have heard what I've said and they've said, well, man, this is awesome news because now I can go live like the devil. And God's a spirit and God's seeing me in the spirit and I'm just fine. 
that's just stupid. <laughs> Was that too subtle? Anybody miss that? How dumb can you get and still breathe? That's not what I'm talking about. Matter of fact, it says over in 1 John chapter 3, it says, every man that has this hope in him, verse 3, purifies himself even as he is pure. If you have really, truly been changed, if you truly were born again, you want to live for God. You aren't looking for an excuse to go live in sin. If somebody is listening to what I'm saying and saying, man, I like this because in my spirit, I'm righteous and holy and pure. And so my flesh, God's not looking at my flesh. I can just indulge myself. You ought to get born again. <laughs> Your heart's not changed. This isn't excusing sin. Some people have accused me and say, you're giving people a license to sin. And I say, that's doing pretty good without a license. I'm not encouraging you to sin. I'm just saying that you are going to mess up. You are never going to be perfect. You're never going to do everything the way that you should. And I tell you, it has revolutionized my life that when I do stupid things and I make a fool of myself or whatever it is that I do, that I can run back to the Lord and say, thank you, Father, that I am still the righteousness of God and that you see me in the Spirit and I haven't lost my right standing with you my relationship with you is based on what Jesus did for me, not what I am doing for you. And it has just given me a freedom and a liberty that has transformed my life. It's awesome. Do you know, if you never go to church another day in your life, your spirit would retain its right standing with God if you're born again. But you're just stupid not to go to church. Because the Bible says that you need to exhort one another daily while it is called a day, lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. If you don't get around like-minded believers, you're going to cool off and in your natural realm, you're going to miss things. And you're just stupid if you don't go to church. But I'm saying God loves you, stupid. Amen. If you never read your Bible again, did you know that God would love you the same, but you won't love God the same if you don't read the Bible? Living holy and doing what's right doesn't change God's attitude towards you. That is a huge statement right there. Because see, I used to think that God loved me proportional to how well I lived. And even though I lived better than many people I knew, my own heart condemned me and I knew that I didn't do everything right. And it was freedom. It was liberty when I found out that God loved me in spite of who I am and not because of who I am. He loves me because I made Jesus my Lord and he loves me based on who I am in the spirit. And did you know when I saw these things, it didn't encourage me to go live in sin, but it's made me serve God so much stronger because now I have a vision of who I am and what I can do and what God can do through me. And I don't want to throw that away and go out and give Satan inroad into my life. This hasn't encouraged me to sin. I tell you, this revolutionized my life. And I've tried to condense 45 years worth of things that God's been showing me into a little under an hour period of time. And you know what? I hadn't done it justice, but I got that book on spirit, soul, and body. I've got it in CD, DVD. I got a lot of stuff. Matter of fact, 
Everything I teach is based on this. I just put a different title on it and use a different scripture. But this is what I teach. When I teach on healing, I teach that you've already got it in your spirit. When I teach on how to overcome emotions and stuff, I teach that you've already got love, joy, and peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance, Galatians 5.22. It's already in your spirit. You don't need to go get God to touch you. You've got to release what's already on the inside of you. When I teach on the mind of Christ, when I teach on all of these things, everything is based on the fact that in Christ, I am already complete. I am not trying to obtain victory. I've already got victory. And as quickly as I can renew my mind and begin to start seeing who I am in Christ and basing things on that, then I can experience this victory. And I'm telling you, I have seen wonderful things happen. I've seen God just transform my life and do things. Boy, my brother and sister down here could tell you. I remember... Man, when Jamie and I were starving and they kept us alive. And now God has just blessed us to where I, it's not me, it's not based on who I am, but God has blessed us and we're building this campus debt free and doing these things. And it's no problem, it's a blessing from God. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, every one of you, you're praying for things. And oh God, give me this, give me this, give me this. And the truth is you've already got everything in Christ Jesus. It's not a matter of God giving you more. It's a matter of releasing what you already have. That's what the teaching I have out there entitled, You've Already Got It, is all about. It's already done. God's already, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, He's already blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. God's done His part. We aren't waiting on God. God is waiting on us to find out what we have, who we are, and begin to believe it. And when you find these things out, you can start releasing this power of God. You can live in as much victory, joy, peace, power as what you want to because God's given you the same power that you'll have throughout all eternity. One-third of your salvation is over. The only thing we're dealing with now is the renewing of our mind and the resisting of the flesh, but your spirit is perfect. And man, if you can understand that, it just opens everything up. Everything is brand new. This is what turned my life around. And I offer this to you. If you could ever understand this, it would change you. I believe that. You know, I could give you testimony after testimony after testimony of this, but I've had so many people that have received this truth. This one of our Bible college students went to Uganda, and I mean literally, we are changing a nation because of this truth. A person that just saw who they were and what Christ is in them, and it's opened up doors to us. We're seeing awesome things happen. Brothers and sisters, whatever your need is, if you're born again, God's already done it. And the only thing that's left is for you to get your mind open so that this power can flow out of you. You know, you could be over here, there could be a faucet right here where there's life-giving water, but it's got, a, it's got that faucet on it. And if you don't know how to turn that thing, you could be inches away from water that could save your life and you could die of thirst with water in that pipe. 
And did you know that this is what's happening to Christians? Christians are asking God to please touch them, please do this. The Lord has already done it. He's put everything you need on the inside of you, but because we haven't renewed our mind, this life that's on the inside of us isn't coming out into our body. People are dying with the same power that raised Christ from the dead inches away from that cancer or from whatever it is that's destroying them. People are being depressed and oppressed and fearful and all of these things, and you've got the same love that created this world and everything right here on the inside, but it's all got to flow through your mind. If you don't renew your mind and find out who you are, this salvation that you've received won't do you any good in this life. When you die, you'll go to be with the Lord, and then what a day that'll be. In the sweet by and by, it'll all be worth it, but in the rough now and now, you're going to struggle. But if you can renew your mind, you can begin to experience God right here. You can see supernatural, miraculous things happen. It is not something that is out there. It's already on the inside of you. I wish I had better words to express what I'm trying to say. But when I found this out, you know what? I became a different person. I'm a different person because now I see myself differently. I see my potential differently. I see Christ on the inside of me. I lay hands on people and see miracles happen, not because of who I am, but because I believe that I have the same power in me that raised Jesus from the dead. And that's true of every born-again believer. You know, if you aren't born again, you must receive salvation. This is another application of what I'm talking about. A lot of people think a Christian is just subscribing to Christian morals versus Hindu morals or Muslim morals or Buddhist or whatever. And they think it's just adhering to a certain set of creed that you believe Jesus was the Son of God. That's not what true salvation is. All of those things I've said are true, but you know what? You've got to be changed in your heart. True salvation is making Jesus your Lord. And when you do that, you become a new person in your heart. Sitting in a church doesn't make you a Christian. Any more than sitting in a garage would make you a car. If you're a car, you ought to go get in the garage for your own protection. If you're a Christian, you ought to go to church. But going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Just adhering to some set of doctrines doesn't make you a Christian. It all depends. Have you been born from above? That's what Jesus was talking about. You literally become a new person. If you've been born again, you are a brand new person in your spirit. And the rest of the Christian life is renewing your mind and changing your identity from who you used to be to who you now are in Christ. And you start basing everything on what God says you are and what God says you can do instead of what your doctor says you can do or your lawyer or somebody else. Amen? So if you aren't born again, you need to be born again. I had one man come to me tonight and say he came specifically to be saved tonight. And praise God, you need to make that decision. Amen. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. 
Jesus has already died for your sins. It's not a matter of asking him, will you forgive me? He's forgiven you. It's not a matter of will he do it. It's a matter of will you receive him. And the way you receive him is by making him Lord. That doesn't mean that you're making a promise. You'll never do anything wrong because you can't keep that promise. But you have to be willing to turn your life over and make him Lord. And then when you fail, because he's a spirit, he sees you in Christ Jesus in your spirit and you're still pure and holy. You don't lose that relationship. But you have to be willing to make him Lord. And then once you get born again, you also need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which includes a lot of things, but it includes speaking in tongues. You know, when I received this experience from the Lord, it transformed my life. And I could spend a lot of time here tonight. I'm not going to take time to do it. But the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 14, 14, that when you pray in tongues, your spirit prays. And it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, it's praying the hidden wisdom of God. Then 1 Corinthians 14, 13 says, when you pray in tongues, pray also that you interpret. So when you run into a tight spot, you can begin to speak in tongues. It's your born-again spirit that has the mind of Christ, has an unction from God, is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. You're speaking this perfect wisdom of God, and all you got to do is ask God to give you an interpretation. God, what is happening? What is my spirit praying here? And God will show you things supernaturally. He will reveal things to you. I've had this happen tens of thousands of times, and God has done so much in my life. I know that there's some of you who watch me on television, and because I don't spit and scream and have a cloth wiping my fevered brow, you didn't know that you were coming to one of these tongue-talking meetings. But I'm telling you, I, I do all of those things, and it changed my life. It is one of the most important things that has happened to me. And so you're here now. They are going to talk about you. Amen. <laughs> and so you might as well get something for it. Amen. You might as well receive and really give them something to talk about. Somebody says, "Do I? are you saying that I've got to have the Holy Spirit to be born again, to go to heaven? No, that's not what I'm saying. You can go to heaven without receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and these gifts. And you can even get there quicker because you aren't going to have any power. And you'll die of something along the way. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues transformed my life. And I'd like to pray with any person here who doesn't have that and if you're ready to receive. So if you would like to receive either Jesus as your Savior, if you'd like to be born again, or if you're already born again, but if you don't have this gift of speaking in tongues and you'd like to receive it, I'd like to pray with you and help you to do that. Is there anybody here that would raise your hand and say, that's me and I'm ready to receive? Man, bunches of people. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome, awesome. I know some of you are thinking, what are you going to do? I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to give you a free book. Man, what a deal. <laughs> Somebody says, well, what if I go down there and nothing happens? Well, I can guarantee you something's going to happen. I'm going to give you a free book. That's the worst thing that could happen to you. <laughs> the worst thing that could happen is you come down here and get a free book and go back the way you were. 
I hadn't got anything for you to join. We aren't trying to convert you to something. I'm, I'm just wanting to help you. And I'm telling you, these, you must be born again. You must have a personal relationship. You must be changed at your spirit level. And then you must receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because man, it, when you pray in tongues, it's just like flipping a switch. It turns on the supernatural power of God. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I've prayed in tongues a lot today. I pray in tongues just about every day of my life. It's a powerful, powerful experience. Some of you may not be sure about it, but if you aren't sure, you ought to take the opinion of somebody who is sure. I'm absolutely sure. So if you raised your hand, or if you were supposed to raise your hand but didn't do it, would you just get up out of your seat and come forward, and we want you to come down here, and we're going to pray with you, and we're going to help you to receive. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Man, isn't this awesome? Hallelujah. I believe this is going to change your life. Did you know my life changed more outwardly through the baptism of the Holy Spirit than it did through being born again? Now, being born again is absolutely essential. That's the first step, but that's kind of, that's what I was talking about. It's internal. Outwardly is when the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes and you begin to start speaking in tongues and operating in these gifts. This is what causes your mind to be renewed. This is what causes the physical realm to start changing. So as far as visible effects, I was changed more by the baptism of the Holy Spirit than by just being born again. But y'all keep crowding in here if you would. Let's go down this way because we've got people that can't make it down into this orchestra pit. Praise God. This is just awesome. This is wonderful. Man, I don't know how y'all live so long without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Honestly, I just... Uh, I've been through things that I wouldn't have been able to handle if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit and this ability to speak in tongues. It's just transformed my life and I believe that this is going to work for you. Praise God. You know, some of you can go over this way. I'm just trying to get everybody down in here so that you can be a part of what we're doing. I don't guess they made this stage for invitations. I think this is an orchestra pits, what they made it for, but praise God. We're giving it a new deal. Some of you can come over this way if you'd like, and uh, we'll be able to pray with you over here. You know, typically at our meetings, we'll have 40 or 50 people here to pray with you and all of these things. I don't have all of that. We've got some of our Bible college students, about 20 or 30 students here. But uh, I'm just going to have to lead you in some things, pray with you quickly, and then as you leave, we're going to give you a book. And I promise you that this book 
will explain things in more detail than what I have time to do right here. And if you will read the book and follow the instructions, I believe that this will change your life. It will really, really help you. Before I can pray with you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you first of all must be born again. Jesus said that the world or people who aren't born again cannot receive the Holy Spirit. So the first thing you have to do is to make Jesus your Lord and be born again. Jesus is the one who gives the Holy Spirit. So you have to receive the giver before you receive the gift. Is there anybody down here who's not absolutely certain that you've been born again? And I need to pray with you first and you need to receive Jesus as your personal Savior. Anybody, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Here's the man that told me he came to be born again tonight. Amen. Here's another one over here. Praise God. Here's another one. So here's four people. Is there anybody else? Five, six, seven, eight, nine. Anybody else? You know, let me just say this, that a lot of people think that they're saved because they're a good person. There's gonna, hell is gonna have lots of good people in it. It's not about what you've done outwardly. And it's also, if you are a bad person and feel like you're just so bad, how could God say, it's not about your actions. It all comes down to one thing. Have you made Jesus your Lord? Are you gonna reach out and receive this salvation? So don't base this on whether you think you're a good person or not. Some people just assume that they're going to go to heaven. Man, you can't base your eternal destiny on just an assumption. The Bible says that when you get born again, you know you've passed from death unto life. If you don't know, if you don't have a witness in yourself and know that God lives on the inside of you, you ought to pray with me right now and make sure that you're saved. Is there anybody else who didn't raise your hand that you need to pray and just agree? Anybody else? Here's a couple of more right here. Thank you, Jesus. Here's another one. This is like 15 or 20 people. And what I'm gonna do is just lead you in a short prayer. You don't have to say the words that I say exactly. But I'm gonna base my prayer on Romans 10, 9 that says if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And I'm gonna pray a prayer similar to that. And if you will pray with me and say these words with me, and if you mean it from your heart, it only works if you mean it. Saying the words isn't magic. You have to believe it. But if you believe it, you can be born again. You can be totally changed. Isn't that awesome? That is nearly too good to be true. It's not based on you promising and doing all of these things. Jesus paid for your sins. Will you make him your Lord? If you will, you can be born again. I'd like to ask everybody in here to pray this with me so that they won't feel like we're just listening to them. Say this, say, Father, I'm sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus has already forgiven my sin. And I receive that forgiveness. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I believe that you are alive. That you now live in me. I am saved. I am forgiven. 
In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Do you believe that? Awesome. Welcome to the family. Praise God. You believe that, brother? You're born again. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That's the greatest miracle right there is somebody getting saved. All right, so now every person down here says that you have made Jesus your Lord. And according to the scripture, the Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It says it twice in 1 Corinthians. The reason that's significant is God made you a temple, a dwelling place for His Holy Spirit. He wants to give you the Holy Spirit more than you want to have Him. This is what you were created for. So don't let some sense of unworthiness stop you and make you feel that God wouldn't give it to you. Some people teach that you got to get rid of all sin before you can receive the Holy Spirit. You got to be holy in order to receive the Holy Spirit. I tell you, if you could get holy without the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. If you got problems in your life, you're a prime candidate for God giving you the Holy Spirit so you can begin to start having power and overcoming things. So don't, don't let some, something stop you. Some people have been tarrying for 20 years and that's, you don't have to tarry for the Holy Spirit. We're just gonna ask, what, we're gonna open up our heart, like open up the doors of your temple and just welcome the Holy Spirit. He's a gentleman. He doesn't force himself upon you. For you to have this power, you have to pursue it. You have to ask him. You have to welcome him to come in. So we're just gonna lead you in a simple prayer. We're gonna welcome the Holy Spirit to come and then I'm just gonna speak and release the power of the Holy Spirit and speak over you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And at that time, I want you to quit asking and start thanking him that he did it. Because the scripture says in Luke 11:13, if you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He promised that he'd give. And so we're just gonna ask and then we're gonna believe that God gave us the Holy Spirit. And at that time, after I pray over you, at that time, I want you to lift your hands like this and start thanking God that he gave you the Holy Spirit. The Bible says when you lift up your hands in the sanctuary, you bless the Lord. This blesses God. God loves it. It's like when somebody sticks a gun in your back and you go, I surrender. <laughs> it's your way of yielding to God. So I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. I'm gonna release the power of the Holy Spirit. And then I'm just gonna have you lift your hands and start thanking God. And then those of us that know how to pray in tongues, I don't want anybody praying so that you dominate this whole thing, but just pray in tongues so that you won't feel like we're listening to you. And as we start speaking in tongues, the Bible says when you pray in tongues, you are giving thanks well. You're praising God in a heavenly language. So we're gonna start praising God with our gift of speaking in tongues and thanking Him. And when we start speaking in tongues, I want you to just switch over from English to praying in tongues with us. And some of you are looking at me like, how do you do that? <laughs> this book will explain the whole thing. Nobody had more trouble speaking in tongues than I did. It took me three and a half years after I knew it was from God and asked for it before I spoke in tongues. 
that's because I'd been taught that you'd be demon-possessed if you got it. I was taught all kinds of stuff, and it just took me a while to get over it, but I've written it in a book, and I'll help you. But here's the number one thing. This is my last instruction before we pray. Most people who don't speak in tongues immediately, it's because they're afraid that it's going to be them speaking in tongues, and they want to make sure that it's God. And so they just open their mouth and hang their tongue out and wait on God to make them talk. That's not how it works. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, that they spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak in tongues. You have to speak in tongues and let the Holy Spirit inspire it. It's exactly like when I ministered tonight. I believe that God inspired what I said and led me in what I said. But if I would have said, oh God, speak through me tonight, and then I just opened up my mouth and wait on God to make me talk, nothing would have come out. We'd still be sitting here. God didn't force me to say what I said. I spoke. It was me talking. That's the reason it came out in Texan. That's the reason it came out with my sense of humor and stuff. It was me talking, but I do believe that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues is just like that. And if you're waiting on the Lord to make you talk in tongues, it won't happen. You have to speak. You have to start speaking. And at first you'll feel like this is foolish, this is crazy. That's the reason it's so powerful because it makes you get out of your natural mind and it makes you get into the spirit realm. You can't pray in tongues a long period of time uh, with your natural mind because you'll get into fear and doubt. You have to get past yourself and start worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And so anyway, I'm going to pray for you. We're going to lift our hands and go to thanking God. Then we're going to start praying in tongues. And I want you to just join in and speak in tongues. Typically, I would have people standing behind you who are laying hands on you. You'd be able to hear someone praying in tongues. I'm not going to be able to do that tonight. But if you're ready, you could pray in tongues right now. But you've got to just, you can't pray in tongues with your mouth closed. You're going to have to open your mouth and start speaking. You can't pray in tongues in English at the same time. You're going to have to take a step of faith and begin to speak and let God take control of it and amplify it. The Bible says believers will speak with new tongues. I want you to say, I'm a believer and I will speak in tongues. Father, I thank you for all of these. I thank you especially for the ones who made Jesus their Lord tonight, got born again. Thank you that we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you that in our spirit, we may still be a male or a female on the outside, but in our spirit, we are the righteousness of God. As Jesus is, so are we. Thank you, Father. And now we just open up the doors of these temples. And Holy Spirit, we desire your power. We want your anointing. We want this gift of speaking in tongues and all of the other gifts. We want this power that Jesus spoke of and we want you to come live in us and quicken us and help us to understand and to walk in what Jesus has done for us. So we welcome you right now. I release the anointing of the Holy Spirit from one end of this to the other. I, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, I just loose your power upon all of these. Come Holy Spirit and fill us 
Fill every person here, Father, with your power. I stand on that promise that you are giving all who ask the Holy Spirit right now. We believe that this power is coming into our lives in Jesus' mighty name. Now let's lift up your hands. Go to thanking God out loud. Thank him out loud that his word's true. And when he says, if you ask, you receive, you receive. Father, we thank you that we are God-possessed, that we have your power living on the inside of us. Thank you that every one of us, regardless of what we feel or don't feel, we trust your word that you have given us the power of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we thank you right now in Jesus' mighty name. Now those of you who have this gift of speaking in tongues, let's just worship the Lord and pray right now and begin to give thanks. And as we speak in tongues, you join in with us right now. Just begin to speak. You got to talk out loud. You don't have to be loud with it, but talk loud enough that you know. And you know, when you first start speaking, you may think, well, this doesn't sound like a language, but a little baby, when he first starts speaking, it doesn't sound like they're saying mama or daddy. But I guarantee you that parent knows what that kid's trying to say. And your heavenly father hears your heart and he is thrilled that you're finally talking to him in his language. When you pray in tongues, you're bypassing your brain and your doubt and you're under your confusion and you're praying from your born again spirits. You're releasing all of this life that's in your spirit. You're praying with the mind of Christ. Just be bold and talk out right now. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Boy, many, many people down here, I believe, are speaking in tongues. It's hard to hear everybody, but I believe that many, many of you are speaking in tongues right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. It's the faithful support of people just like you who make this ministry possible. We invite you to prayerfully consider becoming a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries. You can call our helpline at 719-635-1111. Or you can write us at Post Office Box 3333. Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80934. Remember, you can always listen to Andrew's messages at awmi.net. Until next time, we pray that you'll reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace.